Art can be like so small. It's just like these little idea seeds. It isn't art until it's shared. It has to be expressed. And it doesn't have to necessarily be like you made art or you wrote a book or you wrote and you made anything. It's just sometimes you have to, it has to be interpersonal for it to exist. It's like, yeah. it's not there in one person. Hi, I'm the goo inside the chrysalis. <laughs> and I'm Jacques. <laughs> and welcome to Do You Ever Feel Like? Where we ask the questions that everyone's thinking and no one's answering. And today on the podcast, we have a guest. We have our first guest of the season? Question no. mark? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> you are like, <laughs> we are in a new season. <laughs> I don't know. This is the first guess. Okay. We had many behind the scenes. scenes. Behind the scenes. None of this matters. None of it matters. <laughs> but yet we keep saying things like the first guest of something as if it matters. Okay. Well, it's the first guest from since we are back. <laughs> yes. Back from break guest. Fall guest. Like... Yes. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm crying. Um, well, here we are. <laughs> yes, we had Alexis Rockley on the pod. Um, such a great I, – I mean, I always love our guests. I always think – I mean, shout out to our guests for real. They're the real ones. They yeah. sign up Whether for we remember you ride. coming or not. <laughs> but, like, to show yeah. up to this where clearly we've both – We've been recording for um, not even two minutes yet, and we've lost our minds. Yes. Um. I don't know. I just, like, really appreciate people that are like, oh, yeah, sure. Sure, uh-huh. I'll respond to your email. Um. But, yes, we had Alexis Rockley on the pod, and uh, Alexis is super generous with her sharing and just, like, really great conversation. Really great conversation mm-hmm. we get into – I mean, we get into butterflies. We get into – um, I don't know, like how to be weird and like how to uh destroy systems of oppression. Quite simply. Yeah. Quite quite simply. Simply. Yeah, I mean like I just I just love when I meet people that are just like they're just not like they're just not trying to do anything. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Well, are just like themselves the whole, like the whole yes. the thing's cohesive. You're not surprised yes. when you get there, you know? Exactly. Yes. yes. I feel so refreshed by that. And yeah, I like love when, when we talk to people that are just of the same kind of, yeah, we have a shared goal in mind for our existence. A shared goal, a shared journey. <laughs> a shared idea of what it is we're trying to do on the, like on the planet, you know, like I think that's. It's always feels like we talk about this, but it always feels like a sense of like, okay, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was re- that was reassuring for sure, to me at least. Alexis wrote a book called Find Your Fuck Yeah. And it's great. We talk about it in the episode. You should go listen, buy, et cetera. Read the book because it's a really great kind of first leap into um, a lot of Alexis's work. So, yes, and Alexis stayed. I mean, I wish I didn't hit stop record. Um, I know we had such a great conversation after I hit 
done. Um, but I think like like we're saying, it's just like uh, I don't know. Our guests they come and they're willing to like create something together. So it was lovely. Alexis is lovely. We had a great conversation about exactly my, uh, what do we call this season? Where are we? What are exactly. we creating? <laughs> yes. uh, maybe we'll work to answer that question, um, but probably we never will. Oh, actually, we have some kind of like some news, some housekeeping news. Um, Jacqueline and I have uh, sealed the deal. I feel like hands across the world kind of moment. Like I want to reach through the screen, Jacqueline, and yeah. shake your hand right now. Blood um, bond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run through the forest. You can cut that out. Moon night. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I actually make Jacqueline like swear oaths and pledges a lot, like under full moons. And she's like, um, is this some sort of like ritual? I'm like, shh, 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 shh. Put this twig <laughs> in your hair and howl with me. <laughs> Um, but Jacqueline and I have, uh, I don't know, what do we call this? Okay. After over a year of doing, of the pod and business together, um, we've like finally launched our agency. Do you Mm -hmm. ever media? So you can go check us out on Instagram at do you ever media to see what we've been up to. Um, I don't know. What do you want to say about that? Yeah. I mean, we're still kind of like, I feel like in the last like two months, we've been like slowly kind of getting this thing out into the world and mm-hmm. it's been great. Um, I was like so freaked. We were both really freaked we yesterday. We were both really freaked. It's like that moment of creation. I was remembering when we were talking about Tracy Ellis. Is that who it is? Tracy Ellis Ross? Yes, Tracy who, Ellis Ross. Yeah. Um, who like that moment of like, oh, like I can – like we've like mm-hmm. been jumping out of – okay, so Tracy Ellis Ross has this like – uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Trace Ellis Ross was um on a podcast interview and was talking about this idea of like being scared after you do the thing and like not really up to it or during it. Yeah, it's like you get in the plane, you ride up to mm-hmm. the summit, and then you like jump out of the plane and you fly through the stratosphere and then you freak out when you're on the ground. <laughs> and yes. that is what Jacqueline and I were experiencing as we were like, all of the hard work is already done. We've been mm-hmm. like up late, which are things we don't do working late mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like putting in the time, putting in the, doing the thing. And yeah. then like, then we were ready to hit go. And it's like, oh, what if? Yeah. I'm scared now. <laughs> I know. And, and we've put out how many episodes of the podcast? We've done how many workshops? Oh, yeah, we've done yeah, how many yeah, yeah, like yeah. how many clients have we've we literally already done like with? client work? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And we're like, this is not real. What if they met? Like, I don't know. I just wanted to speak to that a little bit because I think it is that is such a universally known feeling, right? Yeah. And like, especially if you're an artist and like you're making something and it feels like yours you know, behind the studio wall Mm -hmm. or like in the rehearsal room and it feels Mm -hmm. like yours. And then when it becomes art, right? When it becomes, ugh, related to our conversation with Alexis. Alexis had amazing things to say about this. When it becomes art, when it becomes like an exchange is when it like feels different, like the texture of the thing changes. And I think that is like where my fear was. I was like, oh no. (laughs) Like all of this in my brain is like, totally perfection right like in my brain it's like not even perfection but it like feels great right and then 
Yeah. And then it's like when it has to be combined with someone else's perception of reality, it's yeah. like scary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, so but got, everyone can, has been so awesome, though. Yes, yeah. yes, everyone's been so awesome. It's been really sweet. I guess it, it. I guess maybe like the the lesson here is like, oh, it is really nice when you share your work, and even as people who have been doing this for a long ass fucking time, mm-hmm. like professionally for a long ass fucking time, it. I don't think you get. It doesn't get easier. It doesn't get no. easier. I think you just kind of have to like reason with yourself and like kind Mm -hmm. of sort through what is I don't know what's trust and like what's you know gut feels and like what is um you just maybe being uh well I'll speak for myself being a little bit of a lazy baby and I'm like uh I'm I've done the thing 99.99999 percent and I'm just gonna stop now I don't want to do the last one percent. Yeah, I mean, instead, (laughs) that's real. That's really real. Like, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like it doesn't get easier. I've been trying to really find this balance. Again, we talk about this in the pot. Like this idea of I've been really trying to find this balance of like what is like intuition, trust, gut, Mm -hmm. right? Like follow this thing that I believe in so wholeheartedly. I believe in what we are doing like so strongly, like so significantly. I'm so committed to the Mm -hmm. chaos of this thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and also like understanding that it's not – like not everyone is going to be ready. Not everyone is going to be understanding. Not everyone's going to get it. Not Mm -hmm. everyone's going to like – be about you no you know I feel like that for me like when I go to like press send for stuff I have to always remind myself like who is this really for right like and like it's okay if they're not about you yeah not everyone's gonna be about you no and not everyone's gonna like this thing whatever yeah and I like not interested in that that's not the point no that's not the point the point is not status quo um yes very much exactly what we talked with alexis about as well so i think maybe i will will shut up listen to this episode (laughs) i know (laughs) i'm like "Mm." um well we're gonna shut up but we're not gonna shut up because you enjoy i don't know maybe almost an hour of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so to introduce Alexis, Alexis Rockley, she, her is a queer and neurodivergent writer, evidence-based edutainer, and neuroaffirming life work co- coach obsessed with translating the science of self-compassion and anti-grind productivity into practical resources for people who grew up on the internet. Whew. Us. <laughs> She's the author of Find Your Fuck Yeah, Stop Censoring Who You Are, and Discover What You Really Want, the host of the voicemail style podcast, Call Me When You Get This. Her work has been featured in Upworthy, Soul Pancake, Attention. Is that how you say mm-hmm. that publication? Attention, The Washington Post, and more. Forever curious, she earned her specialization certificate in positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania in 2019, and her and her Integrative Somatic Trauma Therapy Certification from the Embody Lab in early 2023. 
Alexis and I almost went to school together on a digital I was going to say, were you yes. in the same cohort? <laughs> no, no, no. I have uh, I have a different uh, certificate from – same thing mm. from the Embody Lab. Shout out the Embody Lab. When she's not nerding out on liberation psychology, sociology, and somatics, she can be found rescuing plants from Ikea and throwing one-woman dance parties in her kitchen. My kind of gal. My kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Um, so without – Further ado, please welcome to the stage, Alexis Rockley. Thank you so much for coming on, Alexis. Uh, we have Alexis Rockley on the pod today, um, who is our first guest of this season. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate you coming to chat nice with nice us to today. Um. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. With coffee in hand and everything. Um, <laughs> Spilled coffee, to yes. be specific. Oh, that's like the worst. That's so upsetting. That's the worst kind. <laughs> it was Well, it had to happen because I was doing other things today, so my coffee would spill. It's so. <laughs> mm, mm, the way mm-hmm. it is. I don't have the emotional fortitude for spilled coffee like most of the time. It's usually like if I can just have if I can just have this, everything else will run fine. But like mm-hmm. spilled coffee, like fallen lunches, like they just do not go well yeah. for me. I end up just like heckling the scene by myself. <laughs> like when the today when the coffee spilled, I was like, oh no, okay, no, that's fine, okay, cool, that's definitely yeah. Where I, it's like yeah, I'm, great. I turn into the sarcastic <laughs> driver, you know. It's just I don't know. It's very strange. I was going to ask you exactly that. Like, how does I was going to ask you to introduce yourself, but maybe this is a, a better get to know you question of like. I don't know. In those moments, as as somebody who coaches people through like the stuff in life, how how is your reaction to the stuff and like I don't know your emotional <laughs> fortitude when when the coffee spills, the proverbial coffee well, spills. When the proverbial coffee spills, I feel like it really depends on the day. I mean, that's the main thing that comes up up a lot with my clients is like the kind of emotional reactions we have are completely contingent on our current resources, like internally and externally. So like Mm -hmm. if I'm having a really wild week or month, or I'm really drained, or it's a particular week of my cycle that month, or I happen to be in that week of my cycle and it's this particular season of my life, (laughs) then I'm more likely to have like a certain type of emotional response than another time. So today when the coffee spilled, I felt, I was like, lol, like, okay, of course it did. Mm -hmm. Ha ha find a towel, wipe mm-hmm. it up, soak my clothes later, figure it out. But, you know, it just depends. Depends on the day. I think it's yeah. the, the more compassion, like the more self-compassion I practice, the less stressed out I am. But I also have tons of like, you know, intersecting privileges that make it possible for me to just have mm-hmm. self-compassion be the reason I'm less stressed. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> such a nice one. Answer to the question. <laughs> I'm gonna remember that the next time my coffee spills. I would love to know. We would love to know. Who are you? What do you do in the world? How do you define yourself? How do you talk about yourself? I have a big, stupid smile on my face because how I define myself changes so often that every time <laughs> I finally, like, I'm like, this is what I do and who I am. I'm like, damn, that's already out of date. So. As of today, currently, I would say that I am a queer and neurodivergent writer. I am what I call a neuroaffirming coach, which is a made up word that's trying to help describe a very real set of sciences. Mm -hmm. Um, I help people through 
my training in positive psychology, liberation psychology, and somatic psychology. Um, but the, the basic is I try to help people figure out how they like being alive by asking mm-hmm. them reflective questions that then help them change little things that they can control about their lives. So it's less horrific to be a person because it's really hard to be a person. So mm-hmm. I, that's my primary um, day job right now. I'm a writer, as I said. And I also think of a lot of what I do on the internet as like edutainment. Um, Mm -hmm. I teach (laughs) workshops and uh, classes and make videos. And really, I'm just trying to ask questions that like challenge our current concepts of personal growth, because I think we're heading in a really weird direction as a society with personal growth culture. It's Mm -hmm. not great. So if I'm going to be inside it and be someone who happens to have a self-help book and be a coach, like I am the... There's so many ways to make fun of what I do that I'd rather be inside and like poke holes in this like weird mm. wellness complex that's going mm-hmm. around um, and try to try to ask questions that challenge the capitalist versions of happiness. So mm-hmm. that's how oh, I love me. that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I love the caveat of that's how I describe me today or yes. maybe right now. <laughs> <laughs> For now. Maybe I'll ask you again. I'll ask you again at the end of the uh this episode. I okay, this without like talking about all of my stuff all of the time. I love I love the way that you speak about mm, I'm going to call it like just like overarching wellness, but like like you know what I don't what do we even call it at this point? What do we I even call this industry this at this term. point? But I'm calling it the personal growth industrial complex. It's it's totally the personal growth industrial complex. It's like the I remember, I remember working at um, my first job was at a bookstore um, when I was a teenager, and I remember restocking the self help section one day and thinking it was like such a sad, small, depressing corner of the bookstore. And I would like you could always see like the sobbing women head to the back and the like divorced men, and they would huddle with their little self-help book and like it was like such a scene it really stuck out in my mind as a teenager as well like I could paint you a picture of the self-help section you know 15 20 years ago um and it's like I went to the same bookstore again recently that I worked and I was like oh my god this is like easily 10 times the size and it's you know half the bookstore it's half the bookstore (laughs) it's half the bookstore and it's as somebody who's like both obsessed with it and loves to like poke holes and like yes kind of works inside at the same time I'm like what the fuck is going on Mm -hmm. in here Mm -hmm. um this is so odd but I guess my question is for you is like you know in this you know this role that you found yourself in as somebody who can kind of like have fun poke holes how has that I don't know. I guess like, uh, have you gotten like any pushback from that, or I don't know, even mm-hmm. like pushing yourself to move through those things? Like, I don't know. Is there any kind of like internal dialogue? Like, oh, maybe I should be showing up a certain way. I don't even know what the question is. Something yeah, like that. In there. I think, yeah, I think I get. I think you get what you're asking. I mean, I would say that I haven't gotten a ton of public pushback because I'm just not famous enough yet, and I'm yeah. sure that if I suddenly you know, go viral a certain number more times or someone mm-hmm. gets interested, that will change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the pushback that I experience right now is the, the internal, the questioning that some, my past self would have called imposter syndrome, but I know better because imposter syndrome is made up yeah. and it's a racialized thing too. Um, 
I know that the, I have the internal questioning of like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing with mm-hmm. this platform? Like, I need to be really careful because there are so many things about me that helped me get to a place where I can talk about these topics, where people are following me on social media. I know that the way that I come across, um, I know I also understand like why my book got made when it got made. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the the internal pushback is like, um, have, have I had enough people in my life check in with me and mm-hmm. make sure that I'm not drinking my own Kool-Aid, right? Because like mm-hmm. I'm here looking at the industry I'm inside of and going, well, we're heading in the direction where we're describing health as like healthism, like mental health mm-hmm. and happiness is like this sort of moral purity right now that we're all trying mm-hmm. to achieve. And that's like the direction of eugenics, <laughs> like mm-hmm. historically, mm-hmm. that's never a good thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this and I'm like writing about it and I'm asking questions and all that. But I also need to make sure that like I'm the people in my life are asking me questions to make sure I'm not believing my own shit in a way that's harmful. Like that's to me, success would be experiencing as much joy as possible while causing as little harm as possible. So mm-hmm. that would be mm-hmm. my, that's what I'm looking for <laughs> when I'm in this space. Cause it's weird to be a writer and a coach and to also know there's so much wrong about it in this industry right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Oh my God. I have much to say. <laughs> I wonder, Jacqueline and I both have our kind of own experiences with neurodivergence and I kind of, you know, I, I really see it in myself as a superpower and it kind of has to be a superpower for me at this point in my life because I've spent, you know, decades, it not, it not feeling that way or being told the alternative. And I still, when I speak about my experience, I still have a lot of people um, saying to me, like, well, it's not like that for everybody. Or like this kind of caveat of like, you know, we all can't access these things. Uh, coach, I really love Natalie Miller. She always asks like, we exist at choice and like what agency do we have in this particular moment? Like what choices mm-hmm. do we have? You know, we don't have choices for, about everything, but like whether like whether or not the coffee spills, we don't really have a cho- choice over, <laughs> but like how we react, it, it can be a choice. Do, 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 do. Where's the thread? I was talking about neurodivergence. And it's in action right now. I guess, like, you know, how do you show up as somebody who, you know, as I like to call it, like, I show up as my freak self. How do you show up as your freak self in a world that's not necessarily, mm, I don't know, loving and like accepting of that all of the time? Yeah. I think I'm still figuring out how, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, constantly. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the way I describe it, like, I've always felt weird and I've always felt like I would never be cool. And I've always, like, there's always been ways, ways where I knew I didn't quite fit or like I was really Mm -hmm. good at something in school, but really bad at something else. And so until I had the vocabulary of neurodivergence, I didn't think of things as the way I think of them now. So I think of it as like practicing unmasking in public. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, unmasking is like the opposite of what I was doing before, which was very intuitive before I was reading the room and then deciding who I was based on the people mm-hmm. in that room, based on the energy, mm-hmm. like trying to, I, I understand it now as I was trying to keep myself safe because of my lived experiences yeah. as a little kid, yeah. but there's an element of performance that goes into certain roles we have with each other in society. And, um, performance is fun if you've consented to it, <laughs> if you feel forced to, if you can't be, if you cannot be yourself safely in a situation 
then we mask. And I think there's so many different words for this, right? In neurodivergence, it's masking. If we're talking about um, a racialized situation, we're talking about code switching. We're talking about performing in that particular way. If it's a mm. um, if it's a fight or flight situation, we might be talking about appeasement, where someone is mm-hmm. behaving in a way at people pleasing. They're like trying to make this other person feel at ease, and it's a tool of like I need to be safe. This isn't cool. So there's so many ways to not be ourselves, and for good reason. That mm-hmm. I think the when we say things like we need to figure out how to be our authentic selves, when we write self-help books that are about that, when we read books that are about that, when we talk about this on TikTok, like all of it's true, but it's also a cliche because none of us know what world we could possibly be in where it would be safe to be ourselves Mm -hmm. because everybody has some version of, well, my real self isn't welcome here. Even the people who have the identities Mm -hmm. who hold the most power still feel like they can't be themselves, even though we're walking around (laughs) making it hard for other people to be themselves. So um, I have, it's a daily practice of what would I genuinely, what would it, what would it feel like for me to uh, like respond authentically to my own nervous system right now, which sounds weird, Mm. but like that makes sense to me. So for example, in this setting, I don't know y'all, I just met you, but mm-hmm. in prior to this conversation, I could feel the feeling of like, okay, am I supposed, should I perform now? Should I like go mm-hmm. put on the show? Because it's, it's a, it's a conversation. It's recorded. It's a podcast. And mm-hmm. I had to like do the mental um, gymnastics of like, okay, no, take a deep breath. What would make you more comfortable? What would make you 1% more comfortable? Mm-hmm. What if you actually knew that somehow like, you know, these people, even though you don't know these people. Mm-hmm. Like those little decisions help me regulate, help me calm down. But mm-hmm. I honestly think it's situation to situation. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I love that performance is only fun if we consent. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. A lot of what Phoebe and I do is kind of, I would say, wrapped around that idea in some ways. Like we're kind of challenging a lot of this stuff. Um, but I think like in what we make, we're like kind of, I don't know, like uh, navigating this space, this line of like performance and reality or like performance <laughs> and like self-acceptance, right? Or like performance, like, and I think what is, what, you know, you started by saying edutainment mm-hmm. and I think previously you've called yourself an edutainer, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. I don't know. Like if we just say this is all not real. Like, if we say, like, this is all a performance, like, there's something kind of um, comforting in that, right? But then we're also dealing with the real truth of the matter, which you've spoken to, that, like, there are people with lived experiences that can, you know, can't really say that, right? Like, can't, like, can't kind of fully buy into that because it, like, it is an unsafe place to live in, right? Mm-hmm. So like we tr- we try to be as thoughtful around that as well. There is this kind of um I don't know, it's like I wish we could just all say this isn't real and this is a performance, but like we can't. Does that make am I am I yeah, getting there? Sense. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean? I think, like I think when you start what for me, I'm saying you as if it's true for you, but for me like when I started to consciously pay attention to what felt off about certain roles in my life, certain expectations I had for myself, expectations other people had for me, like 
in the first set of careers I had, right? My first fancy pants, important career. Who am I supposed to show up as? When I start paying attention to it, you start noticing what feels wrong. And then you need to find language for how you describe what's wrong. And Mm -hmm. for me, I am constantly aware, and maybe this is my neurodivergence, of people using a conversation to perform their status instead of Mm -hmm. having the conversation. Mm. And like the elbowing that happens inside of a conversation with someone where you're like, oh, you're not really here right now. You're trying to show me that you're smart or you're trying to show Mm. me you're in charge or you're trying to tell me you're powerful or. um, And I think for some people, for me, that might be a revelation because all of my other identities have kept that secret from me. Right. My being a middle class American white woman who looks able bodied, although I have some disabilities like I don't, I don't have to notice, I didn't have to be conscious of the performance until it happened in my like personal mm-hmm. life where I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't be my real self. I have to whatever. But like, you know, and talking with one of my friends who's a black woman, she's like, this is never off. Like, it's just yeah. always, it's just like background mm-hmm. noise for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm always aware of this. Right. So in the same way that you, you know, you talk with women and they're like, well, I've got my, why do you carry your keys like that? Of course, we all yeah. know what it means to carry your keys, like in the middle of your fingers. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. Like you just. These are things you know if it's part of your life. So I think it's meaningful for us to point out, like, this is all made up. This is all, we invented this. Yeah, we could do something else with it. I think that's the thing yes. I find exciting is like, I think yeah. it was, I think it's Adrienne Marie Brown um, in Pleasure Activism. Yeah, Pleasure Activism, who said, um, we're living inside the imagination of a European white man from yeah. like a long time ago. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. all made yeah. up, but like, it has consequences because all these years right. later, we're inside yeah. of this version of society and we could do something different. So when you point it out, the fakeness, when you point out the performance, there's an opportunity for us to be like, do we want to keep going? Those of mm-hmm. us who have some power, could we change it? You know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. that's what I think. I think one of the like most... Um, Ooh, what's the like in that reaction of saying like this is all a performance? You know, people people have reactions to those things, and definitely one part of that is like, you know, what do you mean? Like, oppressing people really benefits me. Like, this is like nice for me. Like, <laughs> like what else could we possibly imagine? But I think in that like this world that we've constructed for ourselves, we're told that you know creativity is for some and not for others, and like our creative brains are like can't imagine a new world because we don't have that like muscle built in a way where I don't know, like play and imagination is like, like, no, this is all made up. Like, what do you, what do you want to make up now? It's just like way too far of a leap for people. And you Mm kind of talk about that. Um, I think in your book, but also online, um, (laughs) about like finding your art in the world. And I love the way that you use that word. Because I feel I can walk down the street and make art, you know, and and by paying attention to the tulips and well, it's not it's no more tulips right now. But like, actually, (laughs) the like leaves changing colors, like just like the very edges of them, like that to me is art. And it's so but it's I don't know, it's like, I feel like it's kind of weird for people to imagine still. And I really believe that everyone is an artist. But I'm kind of curious as how you um how you not just encourage folks, but like in your life, how you create your art. I th- think of art as sort of like the result of creativity when it's shared. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's probably why a lot of us associate art with like 
types of media. Like it's a painting, it's a sculpture, it's music, it's writing. But I think of it more like it's connected to change. Like everything comes back to change. Like to me, creativity and art is something everyone can access because every human has the capacity to connect new dots and to make new connections and to make change happen. And I think that art is like, or at least at today, again, my definitions will change. I think today yeah, yeah, art is the intentional planting of an idea seed, like having yeah. a seed of something and then you share it with other people and then that thing becomes something else. Like it, it's not yours anymore when you share it with other people. Like even if you want, it feels important to you. Once you put mm-hmm. something out, once you share it in a conversation, once you write that song, once you, it, it belongs to the other people who are engaging with mm. it and it becomes something else. And I think that's meaningful because we keep forgetting that every, the whole point of existing is relationships. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're all trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to be happy. And like the whole thing is like being connected to one another. And I think mm-hmm. artists, when it, they describe themselves that way and people who are practicing art in daily life are like finding ways to point at connection and say this thing brings us closer together or some artists are saying this is what's driving us apart has anyone noticed or this Mm -hmm. is the status quo and it's like this for me can we do something about it so I think Mm -hmm. art can be like so small it's just like these little idea seeds but it can't it isn't uh art until it's shared it has to be expressed and Mm. it doesn't have to necessarily be like you made art or you wrote a book or you wrote and you made anything it's just Sometimes you have to, it has to be interpersonal for it to exist. It's like, yeah. it's not there if more than one person is involved. Mm. I love that. I love idea seeds. It's like, I mean, that metaphor is so lovely, you know, something that you can like tend with other people too. Like, oh, look at the plant I grew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like, mm-hmm. I think it's true for us too. Like that's, we're the product of our environments. Like we're, yeah. like one of my favorite metaphors ever is like, you don't, a gardener doesn't look at a struggling plant and go, wow, that plant doesn't want it bad enough. Like what a lazy yeah. plant, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> the gardener's like, what's going on with the conditions this plant is trying to grow in? Too much water? Yes. Not enough water. Yes. Oh, so like, yeah. like when I think about the gardening thing, it's like, we're so hard on ourselves in our creativity. We're so hard on ourselves in our relationships. We're like, I should be able, I want this so bad, or I care yeah. about this thing, or this is, should be easier for me. It's like, no, it's not. Look at the context you're in. So yeah. I think like, the struggles we have have to be put in context. It's the only way to understand why it's hard. And I think the art we make has to be put in context. It doesn't exist unless we're sharing it with each other because it grows, it changes, it shape when you share it. It's mm. like it's a little garden. Mm. <gasps> yeah. Ugh. I love that. Audience. <laughs> Ooh. You know, Phoebe and I get this question all the time in our work, or we get this like feedback, which is I'm not creative. Mm. And so what is that? What would you say that is them? I mean, you, I mean, we, we've said a lot of it already, right? But like, what, like, what would, you know, Alexis, the coach say that that is right Mm -hmm. of why, why we feel like we can't access that. Right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) this, this, all my answers are going to be systemic today, I guess, (laughs) but like, I mean, I think the reason that a if the elephant don't. is pink, like let us <laughs> point to it. <laughs> let us call it pink. Let's yes. Yeah. I think the reason that a lot of us don't feel creative is because we have been thoroughly and aggressively told and taught we, there is no room for creativity because mm-hmm. creativity isn't copy paste. Creativity is like 
something shapeshifts. Like a, you, you meet someone and they share an idea with you and that becomes a new thing because your experience plus their experience together. Like, oh shit, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Or I never thought about it that way. All the change that happens happens from us being like these little ants passing information to one another and getting new things built because of it. And I don't think that as of right now, we've built a culture or a society that champions creativity. I think we mm-hmm. love the aesthetics of creativity. I oh, think do we? we? Love yeah. The aesthetics of a transformation. We love a like before mm-hmm. and after. We love a look what I made. Here's this thing. Mm-hmm. It's finished. It's shiny. But I don't think we actually respect the act of transformation or the process of change or creativity. Because if we did, we would let a lot of people be themselves and there wouldn't be quite so much um, aggressive control of certain identities Mm -hmm. (laughs) in our Mm -hmm. culture. So I think Mm -hmm. it makes sense. People don't feel creative because on top of that, there's like the day to day, like creativity requires a sense Mm. of internal safety and like Mm -hmm. resources. Like I can't access my own creativity if I'm really drained, I'm really overwhelmed. I'm going through a bunch of stuff. I'm unsupported. So Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't just tap into it, right? It's like a, a thing that comes with resources. So if your day-to-day is exhausting, if your day-to-day is one thing to the next thing to the next thing, you're constantly working, you're constantly going, just trying to exist in the mm-hmm. system we built, Yeah, you yeah. won't be able to tap into creativity that easily, right? Like it's, so it has become a luxury in that not that many of us have that much resource and support. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we cannot be creative. It's that we have to create the conditions that support people's creativity right? so that more people can be because then we would be building different worlds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's making – like I always think I worked in uh, – I don't even know how to – I, I had a nine-to-five creative job for a short period of my life, which I guess five years, short but long. Um, and – I think it's so funny. It's so interesting to me when we put creativity in a context of like manufacturing, which whatever we could talk about. This is a different thing in my mind. But creativity requires such vulnerability. And then we put it in this container of like, okay, be creative, but not too creative because we don't want to weird anyone else out in the next boardroom. (laughs) (laughs) And then and then we do the same thing to people like be creative, have a nice little idea, go go live your life and be freedom, but not too free. Because we don't want to, that haircut is a bit upsetting to the neighbors down the road and, and, you know, their poodle will bark at you in a strange way. So it's like, it's this um, trap that we put people in, I feel of like, you know, like you said, I think I do really agree. We live in a a world that loves the outcome. I I like to think, and this is a bit dark of me, but it's like, I I really feel like our world, our world values art, but like not the artist that made it. And like, that could be And when I use art, I mean like being an artist, I mean human. And like we love the output of people, but we don't love people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a very – oh, gosh. What what an interesting morning we're all (laughs) three of us are Listen, I love love to take things down a dark and twisty path because then we can get to enjoy after Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is – but it's – it's so, um, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing, right? Okay, so we're in the dark and twisty path. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't like asking this question, but I'm going to ask it. What do we do, Alexis? <laughs> <laughs> I love it because if I knew. If yeah, I knew. exactly, right? Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. I think the, the current 
thing that other people have gifted me. Because again, none of these ideas are mine. Mm-hmm. They came from other people's mm-hmm. idea seeds that grew from Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are observing what we're like as a collective. And we're like, ew, why are we like mm-hmm. this? This is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're constantly championing individual solutions where we're like, I need to have, I need to be better at self-care. I need to take care of my mental health. I should focus on blah, blah, blah. Um, I think we need to do something in between where we work on our internal, we learn how to speak the language of our body so that we're not constantly dysregulated and therefore flinging our dysregulation at someone else, which causes Mm -hmm. all kinds of harm and problems. There's like individual work we need to do. We need to practice creativity as individuals. We need to express that. But then we need Mm -hmm. to do it so that we can better make it safer for other people to be themselves. So if we're like, Mm -hmm. wow, it's made this world where no one can actually express themselves, then I think one of the first steps is like, okay, you're going into that meeting. How can you be a little weirder than you're comfortable with so that Mm -hmm. other people can watch you and be like, oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Why are we all doing this? Why are we all performing? Mm -hmm. But it takes courage and it is not for everyone, right? Because the person who's the most at risk in that meeting doesn't have the most luxury to do the weirdest thing. So the person who's like, oh, no, I'm uncomfortable. We have to like double check if our discomfort is actually danger, which is like a huge thing for me. It's like my body thinks discomfort is danger, but that's because I'm a white lady (laughs) and I was trained to be that. (laughs) Discomfort is not danger all the time. So like we can Mm. practice being weirder. And like yeah. make other people feel free to do so. We can practice inviting the artist and being like, tell me more about why you made this. Tell me more about this thing you made. Not, wow, I love this thing so much all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's like the mm-hmm. individual level can be like making it weirder for other people so that they, weirder in a good way, so that more people can practice it. And hopefully we are going to get to a place where we're all just so grossed out by the system that we've set up that we can start heading in a new direction. I think this kind of links to this conversation around like professionalism. Because like right now what's happening in on the internet, because I feel like, right, we live in two worlds. We live in the world <laughs> of like everyday yes. lives and then like the world of the internet is that to be an entrepreneur, to be a creative entrepreneur, to have your own destiny, to have your own thing, to like, I'm of this and it's packaged and it's branded and it's, you know what I mean, is like um, the way of the future maybe the way of this new world in some way, kind of, you know what I mean? Be a little weirder in the meeting. Okay. Be a little weirder in the meeting so that we can all be weird together Mm -hmm. so that we can build a big weird world so that we can all have our own like little weird brands in this weird (laughs) world. Like like it gets a little like, (laughs) it's like, and so I, Sonia Renee Taylor talks about this all the time, right? This like, what do we do with like right now and then like the building of the new world? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, so something like be a little weirder in the meeting is like a great thing for like the right now. Mm-hmm. But it's just, this feels very like confusing, I think, right? For people to, for for me to hold, mm-hmm. right? Like as I'm navigating around. And I, I can imagine, like, you started this conversation with, right now I'm this, and I'm doing this in my business, and I'm doing mm. this thing. You know what I mean? It's like, I can imagine that there's, like, some kind of pay- payoff we're hoping for, or, like, uh, or that I, I guess I should say, again, I hope for, that I'm like, oh, this will make sense now that we're all in this weird 
world or something and I'll feel safe again or like <laughs> it'll be worth it to be weird in the board meeting. And I, I don't know what to do with that a lot of the time. This is not yeah. a question. This is just like yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm assuming I'm not the only one feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the internet, right? Like the, the, um, the effects of the creative, right? The after of the making, the pretty of the thing that is doing this to us, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not good because I don't run my own business and I'm not good because I'm weird and I'm not good – not weird, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not good because I can't say – Hi, I'm so and so, and I run my own thing. What? What? What is again? What is that, Alexis? Like, I, can you speak to that at all? And like, what do you? Yeah, like, how do you personally kind of navigate navigate that? And do you know what the hell I'm talking about? <laughs> because I think you do, and I, or I think BB does. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think like being a person in the internet age we're in right now, it just feels mm-hmm. like we're. Like 300 years from now, they're going to look back and be like, that was a weird oh. time. Interesting <laughs> I, choices made all around. I, I really feel like my grandkids will come to me and be like, mm-hmm. what the fuck were you doing? It's like, you what? know, people smoking cigarettes in airplanes or something yes. like that. It's they're very like, like the Mad what? Men era. What is that? Why were you doing that to your brains and each other? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, yeah. I know we were insane and we knew yes. it was bad too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. I think what makes, okay. I, I'm forever the like the capitalist hot take machine. So I'm sorry, but like I think it's weird because we're replicating the yeah. the profitability yes. yeah. in real life thing into yeah. the internet thing, right? So yeah. like, all of us have to exist, right? And we're in a weirder economy set of economies. Like, how do you make money when jobs are the way that they are now? A lot of us are mm-hmm. like, well, I'm an artist and I'm not I can't get like I'm not like yeah. a Renaissance guy in france so i can't get a patron to pay for my mm-hmm. my livelihood but i could maybe start a podcast and have a patreon like mm-hmm. that's a thing i could do now right so there's like all these weird mm-hmm. the incentive to exist under capitalism requires yeah. we take our skill sets and our feelings and we put them on the internet in a lot of ways fine mm-hmm. we'll look back and laugh at this <laughs> how yeah. we did it mm-hmm. but i think like we're we're not totally conscious of the ways that we are branding ourselves internally. Like, I think we can laugh at the Ooh. self-branding required to mm-hmm. market yourself as a, like, you're, I'm a graphic designer, you can trust me, right? I'm a, essentially that what we're, what we're doing is signaling with nonverbal language. These are ways you can trust me. My website looks like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It's not the 1991, mm-hmm. like, style mm-hmm. unless it's like ironic in which case wow really fun tongue-in-cheek I guess I <laughs> like there's so many little cues. but that is saying something too right like that yes. is saying something too exactly. yeah yeah totally so like there's yeah. all these little ways that we understand we're signaling you can hire me you're signaling you can like me we're signaling you can trust me because we understand these like nonverbal cues and we're using them online and it's uh, partially necessary because of capitalism and partially unnecessary because we also really want to belong and be liked. And so we're putting on these little shows. But like we're we're internalizing the branding messaging, I think. And that's what we're is gonna be embarrassing later, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. a, a example would be the way we use identity language right now. Like yeah. I describe myself as queer and neurodivergent. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's vocabulary. People who understand those words are gonna be like, oh, I relate to you because I see the language. Yeah. But we're also doing this thing online where 
we're starting to describe our suffering in terms of um, yeah. diagnoses. And yeah. in order to relate to someone and say, I'm suffering, we have to say, I have this disorder. Are mm-hmm. we sure that difference in a person mm-hmm. is disorder? Are we sure about mm-hmm. that? That's a weird choice to make, but because mm-hmm. of the setup we have online and the way that we're talking about things in order to relate to other people, we have to use this language and this vocab that puts us into these categories. So I feel mm-hmm. like we're internalizing branding of being like, I am like this, I am the fun friend. So I can't go be weird and cry in front of these people. I can't change the vibe by saying mm-hmm. this is making me uncomfortable. I'm the mm-hmm. hardworking employee. So like, I can't not respond to this email at 11 PM. Like a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. even five years ago that we were doing, but like, that's dumb. Like log off at 5 PM. That's stupid. Don't do that. But there's like an internalized branding that's happening. And it's not just like, mm-hmm. I have to perform my brand to get a job. That's true. But it's yeah. also this inside of like, who am I? What kind of guy am I? <laughs> Yeah. Like what? what oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like everything is like, yes. what kind of guy are you now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you can yes. use like products what? to signal it. Like I'm the, like yes. I'm the, the, um, like if I said <laughs> like REI zipper windbreaker. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, yeah. San, San yeah. Francisco tech guy. He's white. Sure. Yes. Got it. No problem. Yeah. yeah. Like there's just, yes. there's all these little signals we're using and it's fine because I think people communicate in signals, but also what yeah. does it mean when we're internalizing the idea we have to be a type of person instead of what humans are, which is constantly changing and yes. transforming. And we need to be kinder to each other while we're doing that. Mm. Yeah. You, I mean, oh my God, internal branding is like, makes me want to scream. <laughs> Just a little short anecdote. I had a friend say to me the other day, she was like, is this normal to you? I was at a party the other day and somebody asked me, um, she was like, she was like, uh, this is weird, right? Also, you know, being a woman in the world is like, like you have to. Is this normal, or am I being, or am I overreacting? Um, she was like, uh, somebody asked me what my attachment style was. <laughs> That's like the second question they ever said, and I was like, um, yeah, that's pretty uh, psycho, in my opinion. <laughs> Is a really strange thing to ask somebody after to skip small talk. Let's go right to trauma. Really, that's truly. I was like, "What's your name (laughs) and what's your attachment style?" Maybe we'll start putting it in our Tinder bios next. Um, But I do think think that's totally already happening. I think that that's been for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I do. I, I think that's something. I mean, it's like a mirror. Like you had already said, it's a mirror of capitalism in a sense, where it's like, "Oh, what kind of guy am I?" So that I can be packaged for my own self-understanding instead of, and I do, I mean, I catch myself doing it. It's like, yes, well, exactly. I am this way. I I am this way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I freak out when my coffee spills. So I get to be a dysregulated freak wherever I go in the world, you know, which mm-hmm. is like not true. I could take a deep breath and like, oh my gosh, no, my, my internal branding is totally shifted. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is, I, I agree. It's like it's like lovely that we have this language that we can kind of signal to each other and and I think find community in, right? But mm-hmm. I, when we start, I, I am this way. I mean, even catch up. Well, I'm a Sagittarius that does this, you know, and mm-hmm. and you know maybe I could just be a little bit less reactive and I could still be a Sagittarius. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. no! <laughs> so. well, I, think it's like, I don't think we even need to stop using sort of categorization language necessarily as people, because like, that's how we communicate. It's what humans do. I think it's totally mm-hmm. chill. It's just when like, I don't know about you, but this happens to me a lot. Um, 
the compound emotions. So I get angry that I'm angry. Yeah. I get oh yeah. Ups. I'm yeah. I'm irritated that I'm irritated. I'm oh yeah, scared. the guilt because I feel guilty. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm anxious mm-hmm. that I'm anxious. Um, and like compound emotions are they are so human and so normal, but they challenge our identities, our internal identities. So if like you identify mm-hmm. as an anxious person, mm-hmm. you're you might because you've had tons of experiences where like yeah. you have reasons to be anxious. You might have a day where like everything's going really well and you feel calm and you're like I can't even trust that. I can't, Mm -hmm. the rug's about to get pulled out from under me. Like, I can't trust this. Or on the flip side, there's like something positive happening in your life. And, you know, you don't trust the thing because you're not that kind of person. Like, I think Mm -hmm. we just, we can challenge the internal branding that we've got going on by letting ourselves be more of a spectrum being of like, Mm -hmm. today, I feel really strongly in this way. And I'm expressing really strongly in this way, but it might change in a few weeks. And we need to give other people a lot more grace to not always be the same. Like we can't have these really strong mm. narratives. Like mm. I can't, I don't have a clear cut story. Like my oh, life is yeah. not a good narrative. Like I can make it a narrative, but that's because I'm like in hindsight. Mm-hmm. So if, if we mm-hmm. feel like we're brands, then we're going to require ourselves to have like a clear cut path from point A to point Z. And we're going to be mad at ourselves that we don't feel like we know where we're going and we're not consistent all the time. Like we're mm-hmm. not little machines and we're not brands. We can't be consistent. That's not our job to be consistent all the time. We're supposed to be constantly changing and adapting as people to our environments and try to cause as little as harm as possible while we do that. Not like forever be mm. the same kind of person, the same kind of yeah, whatever. Like cons- I just, I don't know. Consistency is a scam to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all, it's making me, I mean, you've already you know, like these mirrors of capitalism consist. I, I, I like to think of everything in MLM terms because that's what it feels like so much mm. of the time. Cause it's like we're mm. convincing each other um to whatever, do buy the in. like if I'm miserable, then you must be miserable with me. Like, yeah, buy in. Buy in now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of circling back around like this working in the self-help world. How do I don't even know if I want to start my question this way. Okay, I'll start with a statement. I I see in the world this kind of brand of self-help again mirroring capitalism or or and slash or being the best worker that you can be actually. So it's all about getting the most out of yourself and other people around you. Um and oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um like productivity and Oh, self-optimization. Yeah, self-optimization. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think of like the Joe Rogans. Whatever word Joe Rogan is using right now, that one. Yeah. <laughs> whatever like bald white men are, are doing to themselves, whatever that is, yeah. gestures vaguely. Biohacking. Um, yeah, bio. <laughs> oh, God. I just, I can't. I can't, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is biohacking? I can't even. It's a whole thing. It's It's a trend. I'll just say it's a trend. It's a trend. Jacqueline, it's exactly what you think it is. It's exactly what okay. just, just like go there in your mind. It's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's exactly it, it's what like, it sounds like. It's like a hyper, it's really like a it's the friend of the term self-care, but it's like that's too feminized. <laughs> so it has to be hyper masculine. So it's bio. Oh. So I'm saying <gasps> you're more making your fascinating. Body. Yeah. They're but they're oh, the same, they have the same spiritual. 
vibe. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. do things mm-hmm. for and to your body so that you can be the most efficient, the best, healthy, best version yeah. of yourself. Just two different yeah. ways of saying it. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering in this, and maybe this is kind of where the where I'm going. I'm like, okay, so we know if we kind of follow down like the self-care road that's laid out in front of us, we go to the bookstore. It's chapters in Canada. Well, it's Indigo. If we go to Barnes and Noble <laughs> yeah. and we like go to the self-help section and we like pick up our stack of books, they're like, okay, I'm gonna be the best I can be so that I can get the most out of my day um and be really strong and drink green smoothies. And I don't know what people do in their days. I'm like, I'm cosplaying being a person in the world right now. Um, Someone told me that they went to the gym at 5 a.m. yesterday. I was like, oh my God, that is, I don't know, who are you? Anyway, um, I'm being that person. I like do the most out of my day and then I come home and I like get the most out of my like 5 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, oh, and I like gosh. make, yes. yeah, it's like, it's like maximizing. Yes, I, I maximize. Maximizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I if I do that, I think I see that as just like I said, another road down the world. Down it's just, yeah, it's the white man imagination. Like I'm just maximizing the white man imagination for my for my benefit. Mm-hmm. If instead we go down this path of finding fun, being weird in the meeting, um, I don't know, what are the other solutions? Looking at leaves on trees. And, um, you know, holding our like sister's hand in, you know, so that we can be a little bit weirder together and feeling um, a little bit less afraid together. What new world? This is the question I want. What new world do you think we can dream up together? I like that question. I'm taking a second to answer it because yeah. I feel it's like so, I'm- such a simple idea, though. I know. <laughs> what I do you like- mean? <laughs> So chill, so low key. Um, yeah, I, I've actually, I, I think my response to that is like a lot of people have actually described the world mm-hmm. we could build together in pieces of art that they've made, like books that they've yeah. written, or mm-hmm. movies they've created, or albums, or ideas that spread. I think that if we, I think if we like all kind of shifted gears to thinking about things as being interconnected right like what what indigenous people have been saying for literally ever um that we're already inside the changing Mm -hmm. world that we want it to be like it's it's it is currently a dumpster fire when Mm -hmm. you're trying to change the system as an individual Mm-hmm. But when you realize you, everybody is having the like some version of the same, like, ew, why is it like this feeling that you are? And that all of you have relationships, you have a sphere of influence, you're all connected to like a bunch of different people. When we realize that things are interconnected, we can start literally today making it a less garbage place by like the way that we greet someone, the text where we check on our friend. Um, in a way that isn't super vague, like, hey, how are you? But in the like, hey, I remember you said this a couple of weeks ago. This was important to you. What's going on with that? And they don't respond. You're like, fine, I'll just send you memes until you tell me to stop because I love you. <laughs> There's like ways mm. we can do this where I think we get really binary because that's our go-to right now to be like, it's either everything's fine and graduate mm-hmm. to the top or this whole place is trash, burn it down. And I think mm-hmm. right. there's truth a little bit, like tiny seeds of truth in both, but actually there's, it's happening right now. Like we're not just building to 
a better world with like a starting point. We're not the starting generation and then it'll get better. It's been going. We just have such short timelines that we think Mm. it couldn't possibly happen, but it's happening. We just have to like treat our Mm -hmm. day-to-day choices, I think, more like they're Mm. valuable. Like my favorite tweet Mm. ever, and I wish I knew who said this, but I saved the screenshot (laughs) of it, was everybody worries in time travel movies that when you go back in time, the smallest thing you're going to do will just ruin history, right? Completely change history. But nobody applies that to the forward concept. Like, what if the smallest little thing that you did completely changed history, completely changed the timeline? Mm-hmm. Like, if we let ourselves scale down, we understand the problem is huge, but we realize that, like, our day-to-day lives are just relationships anyway. How can we be mm-hmm. better in our relationships? How can we be less um, self-centered in our relationships? How can we be less uh, mm-hmm. performative in our relationships? Like, if we do that, the whole thing is relationships. It'll change. It'll shift. and a lot of the people who don't want that to happen are, are uh, shifting into a different state of power than they had before. Yeah. Because of the way the human body works and aging. And like, we need to not like gloat over that and be like, cool, the, the progressive Zoomers <laughs> will take over. Yeah. Like, great. Yes. But also we don't need to be ageist about it. But like there are, there is a shift happening. It's constantly yeah. happening. So when we're too binary, we get... We get overwhelmed really quick. And then we go back to like, and how do I feel good today? It's like, yeah. Yeah. How the world looks better is the way we treat each other in the day-to-day relationships, I think. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Is there any like, I don't know. Does anyone have any final words? Final words. I want to know what Alexis (laughs) is obsessed with right now. (laughs) (laughs) In this world where we must all be obsessed with something Mm. and where we must all you know, read, be reading a book and making it our personality. Like what? <laughs> like <laughs> we get our joy are, we get it. Yes. Yes. Mm. What are you obsessed with right now? If um, anything, I, I just found out about this concept coined by Dina Murray, uh, who recently passed called monotropism, which is a theory of humans and the brain that describes what we would describe as neurodivergence, autism, ADHD, Mm -hmm. but it describes it without pathologizing people. Mm. And I've never read a more like, oh, there it is description of my experience of neurodivergence and of other people than in reading Dina Murray's work and some of the other people who are connected to her that I can't remember all their names. Um, It's the idea is that some people are more have intense interest about a few things and that's how their brains it's like a tunnel of intense interest like focus is really really narrow and other people have again spectrum have a lot a light interest about a lot of things and people who have more monotropic focus are more likely to be obsessed with things to nerd out about stuff to get really, really into one thing and to struggle if they're not interested in something. Like if you're not into it, it's like, it's not happening. I just don't, I can't care about it. So I, I wish I could be motivated, but I can't be motivated. And why is it like that? And their theory is also that like, maybe that's part of why filtering is so hard. If all of your resources are going towards mm. being able to pay attention to this thing, then interruptions would be upsetting for your nervous system. Like Mm -hmm. disruptions to that would Mm. be upsetting, like lots of voices all happening at the same time, loud sounds, weird textures, like those things would throw you off because your body has filtered all of its attention to this one place and there aren't a whole bunch of other 
cancer. So I'm obsessed with it because I just found out about it. And because I love finding out that somebody devoted their life to describing a pattern they saw and Mm. everybody around them was like, that's dumb. And you don't know what you're talking about. And it wasn't Mm. until years later that people were more open to it. Again, idea seeds. (laughs) And I'm sad that that's what happened with Dina Murray's work, but I'm grateful that she wrote it and she shared it with people and that she put it out there because now I can find it and be like, oh, I actually relate to that. This feels true to me. There's this feels like a better way of looking at things, not that I have a social deficit, but that I Mm. want a depth of a conversation with a person, not a shallow performative status thing in a conversation. Mm. I want I want depth. So. That's what I'm obsessed with right now. Also, what I found out about butterflies and caterpillars. And what did I, you find out about butterflies and caterpillars? I didn't. I thought that they, <laughs> I thought that they like hibernated and then became a caterpillar, uh, like a caterpillar became a butterfly by hibernating. Uh-huh. But they don't do that. It's very gross. Like caterpillars, caterpillars go into their cocoon and then they digest themselves. Mm. Like they like mm-hmm. they break their body into mm-hmm. goop, mm-hmm. and then the goop has cells in it that have been there since before they were even caterpillars that know that at a certain point in time, those cells are supposed to form the structures of butterfly parts. And I just feel like that's the best metaphor for change because change is never like, ooh, before and after. It's always like, I think I'm dying inside. I don't, I think that I no longer exist. I am goop. Yes, I am goop. So I love that metaphor because I can use it when I'm like, wow, I hate change. I'm uncomfortable. Well, yeah, I'm digesting my own. Your goop. Previous self. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. Ooh. Well, one, I'm gonna go and um, not get anything done for the rest of the day because I'm gonna go and read about um, Dina Marie and monotropism. Mm-hmm. Monotropism. Mm-hmm. There's also Gorgeous. a monotropism assessment that you can take that is not a test for autism or ADHD, but it's just for monotropism. And there's a coder, like a a web developer, who turned the academic white paper assessment into a real test you can take online for free. It's like not data <gasps> collection. You're going to ruin my day. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, that's fascinating. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. And yes, I do love turning to nature and being like, oh, my gosh, yes. This is why – this is – I mean, if we could all just be tulips, I think that's Mm -hmm. like trust and information. And with that being said, Mm. go check out Alexis's Substack because Alexis just wrote about this in an essay. I did because I'm obsessed with it. And I I loved that essay. I was like, yes, because we don't, of course, right? We care about the after, like you were saying. We don't talk about the like disgustingness that actually is happening between us all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Our final question for you today, Alexis, and I'll, I'll ask you as well, Jacqueline. What have you changed your mind about lately? I think I've changed my mind about how helpful science is Mm. in describing people. And what I mean is I've started to notice that we are using science. This is evidence-based or this is based in science as a cultural shorthand for don't look into it. You can trust me. Just don't Mm -hmm. worry about it. Scientific. Don't Mm. worry about it. And I'm starting to see patterns in my own industry, which is like mental health adjacent, that we're describing people, as I mentioned, people who just have a difference of experience as biological difference. So I've changed my mind about people, uh, the wisdom of saying that 
some defending that someone is, for example, neurodivergence is like a brain wiring thing and not maybe an outcome of a whole bunch of experiences in someone's life, plus their genetics, plus other stuff. So I've changed my mm-hmm. mind about the safety of science and, mm. and I'm looking at it more as it's made by people, which means it's mm-hmm. faulty. There's so much history where science has done messed up stuff. So when I'm going through, I care a lot about things being evidence-based. Mm-hmm. I have more checkpoints in place now to think about like who wrote this paper, who wasn't included in the study, what was the yeah. framing and what are we saying about people? Because science is shorthand for you can trust me. And I don't want to leverage that in a way that's a problem is like mm-hmm. in the future. I want to try to be careful not to. I mm. literally love that. Mm. That's beautiful. Jacqueline, what have you changed your mind about recently? This conversation has made me has not has has uh it's so interesting to talk to you now, Alexis. And like, I don't know, maybe I'll be in your DMs later <laughs> after like reading your book. Because like like there's some like there is a change, obviously, like you were talking about of like who you were when you were writing that book, right? And like what you were going through and like what you do now. Like there is like there is an evolution that is very you pay attention, right? <laughs> like to us as storytellers is very like yeah. evident here, right? And like yeah. I think I this conversation has inspired me to like I've changed what I've changed my mind about is like um is doing the thing, like writing, writing the book, writing the making the thing, planting the idea seed, like doing it, like even if like a year from now there's a different answer, right? Yes. Or there's mm. a different there's a different contribution or there's a different thing to learn. Mm-hmm. I really needed to hear that today. And so that's what I've changed my mind about. I'm going to go do the thing. Yeah. It's even like, if on the other side, you know, who knows? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's scary to, uh, I, I don't know, like every single thing I've ever done, I look back and cringe because I think like when you change, yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Is that, that like not the not- goal and like exciting I, and yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> Because if you don't, if you don't feel a little cringe about the things you did before, then you haven't really changed. And like changing is like growing is good, I think. But mm-hmm. it is scary to decide, okay, well, I'm obviously not going to like this in two years. So why would I put the work into sharing it? Or why yes. would I be like vulnerable mm-hmm. online and have this record of this thing I used to believe or think? And I think the meaning of it, the value to me currently is like, well, then we have a historical archive of what we were thinking at that moment in time, like for ourselves and also for history. Like this is a little artifact of what's going mm. on culturally right now. And even if mm-hmm. things that yeah. I said or things that you said are like, wow, that's weird. I, I don't think that way anymore in a year or two years or three years. Like, okay, but that was, a, it's an artifact. It's true. It was a moment in mm-hmm. time and we're always changing. So letting yourself do that is like, takes courage, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, Alexis. What have you changed your mind about? Maybe oh my goodness. Maybe. I think to make it a little bit no, 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 no. Actually, this is what I'm, this is what I've changed my mind about. I have changed my mind about feeling the need to be hyper clear in my conversation all of the time, or feel the need to make sure somebody understands exactly what I'm saying. If what I am saying is an expression of myself, or passionate, or um, just something I want to say and do. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't need anyone else to get that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to end that there for I that exact that. reason. Well, thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Alexis. Any Anything that you're, where? Mm-hmm. yeah, where do we go to get more Alexis? So I think the most up-to-date recent stuff would be my Substack. So it's mm-hmm. alexisrockley.substack.com. Um, the Substack is called How to Like Being Alive? Question mark Because uh, <laughs> the, the theory of that, the newsletter space is like, I wanted an answer to this question for a long time. It's what inspired all the research that went into this book that find your fuck yeah that came out in 2019 um and now i just want to spend time with the people who have asked that question and i want to think about like why are Mm. we asking this question like how come culturally we're all so obsessed with wanting to figure out how to like being alive what does that mean about us so i'm writing about the personal growth industry and also about energy budgeting like you know the concept of self-care where you're paying attention to your nervous system but not making it your whole personality and needing to do a bunch of expensive things to care for your body or making that a, um, a marker of, of purity and health. And mm. I just also about feelings and change. It's a lot. It's kind of like in art, science, nerd, uh, social psychology kind of feelings in there. So that would be the most recent thing. Um, and also I host community events through that space. So I did a end of the month reflection meetup recently for people to go through like journal prompts to reflect on their month and to think about their intentions for the month ahead. And that was just for members of the community and subject. So lots of stuff going on there if you want to hang out. And you can also check out my book and know that I wrote it four years ago and that I feel the same and differently about things that are in there. Yes. Cool. Cool. Thank you for Mm. I I mean, find your fuck yeah is is I I like it's an I think it's a really amazing entry point. And it's like that doesn't make you that's not like gross. Cause like yeah. we just talked about, right? Like yeah. there's so many entry points to this yeah. that is and that's when I when I oh, yeah, yeah. When I read it slash listened to it, I was I'm like, okay, yeah, this is like the this is such a good appetizer. Yes. You made us a great appetizer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. think I'm glad you look at it that way, because I think of it as um a book for people who just realized that their whole life has been built around finding a purpose in their career. <laughs> yeah. But if you yeah. have like, oh no, I've always known that your experience of that book and the debunking of like self-help myths through psychology, you'll be like, okay, cool. But if that feels right to you or you're like in the, oh shit, I, this is what's going on. And I keep reading the other things, then you, your experience of that book will be different. So yeah. Yeah. yeah Appetite. Totally. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Alexis. Thank you um, for staying a little late too. Oh, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. We had, you know the coffee yeah. and the tech issues. Why not? <laughs> Why not the coffee and the tech? <laughs> yeah. Coffee and microphones. Mm-hmm. One day, one day I will. No, I won't. One day I will not defeat no. that beast. I never will. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> I don't even want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Do You Ever Feel Like? Follow is chaos wherever you get your podcasts. Our artwork is by Simon Peng. Do You Ever Feel Like? is produced by Jacqueline Wills and Phoebe Taylor. You can follow us on Instagram at Do You Ever Pod. You can write to us at Do You Ever Pod at gmail.com. Okay. Bye. Bye.